Just a quick forewarning before we get into the episode. Uh, you're about to listen to 20 minutes of me rambling and trying to explain that I don't know what's going on and I don't feel confident asserting anything that that is <laughs> that is relevant to what's going on. I don't know um, exactly what this passage is speaking about. And I'm not sure, I, I don't agree with anyone who says they do know, and I'm about to say that over the next 20 minutes uh, in a very probably confusing way and come back to the same conclusion that we had from last episode. So if that interests you, by all means, go ahead and listen. And if that doesn't interest you, consider this your, your kind of summary for the week. And next week, we'll, we'll be doing the next section after this, and it'll be much, much clearer, and hopefully that's more helpful. So thank you, sorry, hopefully that, that works out all right, and uh, enjoy. Hello and welcome to Biblical Breadcrumbs. In this episode, we'll be in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15, going down through verse uh, 28, it looks like. And if you hear some slight echo, sorry about that. Uh, recording in a new location, and there's it's, it's a little bit echoey in here, but hopefully that won't be too bad for all of this. Last time we were in the, the opening sections of Matthew 24 in verses 4 through 14, as we're looking at this, this confusing chapter about maybe the end of the world, maybe the end of the universe, Maybe Jesus' second coming? Maybe the destruction of Jerusalem? Maybe, maybe, maybe. There are, there are a lot of maybes, and we don't really have an answer to them as to what they are. But last time we were looking at some of Jesus' hints as to what was going to happen in the future, um, leading up to the end of the world, stuff like there were going to be wars that are that are going to happen. You know, like, like, like always. There are going to be bad people who lie to you. Like always, there are going to be famines, like always, and, and floods, like always. There are going to be people who persecute Christians, like always. And, and so we have this section in 4 through 14 that is saying, where Jesus is saying, look, you know that the end is coming when everyday stuff that you have seen throughout all of history and will continue to see throughout all of history, you know the end of the world is coming when everyday stuff is happening. So that means every time you see something happening in everyday life, you need to remember the end of the world is coming and start acting like it, right? Always be ready. It's not that there's a date when Jesus is coming back and he's telling you the exact details of when he's coming back and you can map it out if you look at history well enough. It's that he's saying, hey, you should always be aware that the end of the world is coming and always be ready and living like it. That's what Jesus is asking for, not for some not for us to plan for some specific day where he's coming back. He's asking us to just permanently be prepared. Well, okay, that's a good theory. But now we come to this part where it seems to be getting into more specifics and it seems to be saying more specific things about um about Jesus's coming and and the end of the world. We're going to get into uh, verses 15 through 28, and there are a couple more more specific things, less generics like we saw in the last section, and more um, particulars. And so, well, let's just go through it. Um, Matthew chapter 24, let's start reading in verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of the prophet of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, now let the reader understand. 
Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. A man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to the pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days, and pray that your escape may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For at that time there will be a great distress, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now, and never will again. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved, but those days will be cut short because of the elect. If anyone says to you then, See, here's the Messiah, or over here, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Take note, I have told you in advance. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storerooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the carcass is, there the vultures will gather. So, we have this section that starts off with a reference to this famous prophecy in Daniel about the end of the world. Also, in Hooray, the, the Daniel prophecy is very complicated. So this comes from Daniel 9. Um, Daniel 9 in verse, I forget which verse it is, Daniel 9 in verse 27 is where this particular prophecy shows up in which Daniel has has prayed a prayer and this angel has shown up and this angel decides to explain everything to Daniel by not really explaining anything super clearly or super well. And so he says, hey, there are 70 weeks and then seven of those weeks will go by and then 62 of those weeks will go by and then and then the Messiah is going to be cut off and then another half a week goes by and then it and then it and then it pauses and something happens and then and then the end of the, uh, the end of the chapter which isn't very helpful um from the, from the angel who's supposed to clarify things he didn't really clarify all that much but you know it's about as good as we're going to get. And the Daniel passage is very complicated, and of course people argue back and forth on this one all the time. They argue what it means, what it's talking about, when is it talking about, who is it relevant to, who is it meaning, who is it... Uh, how do we know when the end of the world is coming? And I think the same question applies in Daniel 9. Is it supposed to be that specific, or is it not? Listen to the words Daniel 9 uses about... Um, let's see, um, in verse, Daniel 9 and verse 26, after those 62 weeks, right, this is after the seven weeks, after those 62 weeks, the anointed one, or Messiah, will be cut off and have nothing. The people of the coming ruler will destroy the city and sanctuary. The end will come with a flood, and until the end there will be war, Desolations are decreed. Does that language sound familiar? <laughs> Maybe because it's the same language we just looked at in the first part of Matthew 24. In verses 4 through 14, wars are coming, things will be desolated, uh, a flood is going to happen, people will destroy some stuff, and that's just normal. That's everyday life. That's how things go, and we shouldn't be surprised at any of that. Um, but in verse 27, he'll make a firm covenant with many for one week, but then in the middle of the week, he'll put a stop to the sacrifice and the offering. 
at some point he will at some point just in the middle of the week on some random day he will just stop something stop the sacrifice in the offering um, which is associated with the temple so presumably stopping stopping the temple um, and in the end of verse 27 oh and the abomination of desolation will be on the wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator so the, uh, the, the abomination of desolation is the desolator who will desolate some things and then will himself be desolated. Cool. And we don't really get an explanation on what that is, on what it means, on who it's talking about or anything like that. We just don't know. It's not specified. There's something that's coming. It's bad. It will destroy some things. It will then be destroyed. Congratulations. That's, that's what Jesus said. There's a bad thing that's coming, and some stuff's going to happen, and it's eventually all going to go away. Right? And so Jesus' mention of a specific thing in Daniel really amounts up to um, when you see a bad thing spoken of, let the reader understand, because the translator certainly doesn't understand. The writer certainly doesn't understand. Um, go ahead. When you see something bad, when you see all these bad things happening, then run for it, because there's nothing else you can do. And run for it to get out of Jerusalem. Right? That's what Jesus is warning about. And so it does seem here, at least, that he is talking about a destruction for Jerusalem. When you're on the housetop, don't get the stuff from your house. When you're in the field, don't go back to the city. Um, hope that you don't have to dis escape during Sabbath because you're not really able to travel too much or not in winter because the weather would be worse. Um, run and, and don't look back. Because in verse 21, there's going to be a great distress a time, uh, uh, the kind that hasn't taken place from the beginning of the world until now and never will again. Whatever that looks like and whoever that's referring to, um, there's going to be some kind of great distress in those days after something bad shows up and you run away from it. Okay, uh, if you can figure out what that means, you're, you're smarter than I am. Uh, if you can figure out specifics on, on who that's talking about, then by all means, go ahead and try. Um, but ultimately, Jesus comes down to verse 22 and says, You know, if this were all there was to life, everybody would die. But God's going to have mercy on a few people. So not everybody is going to die. God's going to have mercy on a few. And then... For, for whatever that section is, shelve that section for just a second, and then look at verse 23. Look at what Jesus immediately goes into. He says, by the way, a lot of people are going to lie to you and try to mislead you religiously and try to tell you a bunch of uh, fake stories and, and, and false ideas and whatnot, and a lot of people are going to try to misdirect you don't be misdirected and don't believe them when they tell you that the Messiah is coming back. 
don't believe them when they tell you that. Because, here's his reasoning in verse 27, lightning, lightning shows up in the sky. Um, lightning is fast, and you don't know where it comes from. It just, it just shows up, right? You can't predict lightning. It just happens. It's powerful. Everybody around notices it, but you can't, you can't, know where lightning's going to go, <laughs> right? It, it's just, it's random. Now, we can put up a big metal pole, and odds are it's probably going to hit that because it, it's a big metal pole, and we can make that assumption, but really, especially in these days, um, in the days back when they didn't do anything with electricity, they didn't know how lightning worked, um, when this happens, it is just random. It's going to happen. Everybody's going to see it, but it's just going to happen. And you can't tell when it's going to happen. It's just going to, to strike at one point. And maybe, yes, you're in the midst of a storm. Maybe you are. But how many storms have you been in without lightning in it? Probably quite a few. And there are some storms with lightning, but sometimes it doesn't strike you. And there's some storms without, and then there is no lightning, and then there are storms, and then there's just lightning sometimes, and it is in your area, and it's there. How do you predict? How do you know when it's going to come? How do you know when it's going to hit you? You don't. That's how the coming of the Son of Man is. It's, it's a thing that will happen at some point, and people will notice it, and it will affect people, but you're not going to know that it's coming. You're not going to be assured until it does actually happen. And when it does actually happen, you'll be able to tell because it's lightning, uh, because in verse in verse 28, wherever the carcass is, you can see vultures gathering around it. You know when something has died because you can see the sign of it. And that's after it happened. And so maybe looking back, you can see the signs leading up to it. But when you're looking forward, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if you can translate verses 15 through 22 into something understandable and legible and also specific, maybe you could figure out when the end of the world is. But until then, um, I'll, I'll be able to know when it happens. And that's about it. As far as I'm aware, that is about it. And so why do we have this chapter? Well, what's the point of all of this chapter if we're just questioning and we just don't know? Why does Jesus bring up Daniel? Why does Jesus bring up the end of the world? Well, it's because he is talking about the end of the world. But he's also talking about his second coming. But he's also talking about the end of Jerusalem. But he's also talking about God's judgment just in general and how God's judgment process works. He's, he's speaking about all these things, and he's wrapping it all up into one message. And so, yes, there's some stuff about the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem, but there's also stuff about the end of the world, and eventually you'll find the Son of Man coming. And no, the Son of Man didn't come to Jerusalem, but he kind of did. He, he didn't come at the destruction of Jerusalem, but he kind of did. And I think that's something we're going to talk about next week, actually, as we get a little bit deeper even into this chapter. 
and as we go a little bit further, when it talks about the Son of Man actually coming, what is this judgment? At best, it's not specified. You can make some guesses, you can make some assumptions, but everything, every, every assertion you make, every claim that you make is going to be subjective because we just don't have details, we just don't have the information for it. So you're welcome to make your own theories about it, um, but I'm not going to spend too much of my time trying to plan out when the end of the world is because uh, I, I don't think I'll be able to tell. When Jesus shows up as fast as a bolt of lightning and I don't know where that bolt of lightning is going to hit, when it's going to hit, or if it's even going to come with this storm, I'm not going to spend all my time working on the weather to try and affect the weather. I know I can't do that. And so um, he'll do it in his time. And I'm content to wait. What's, what, what's the point of all of this chapter? I think Jesus comes back to it in verse 22. Right, He spends an entire section talking about crazy things that... I don't know the answer to. And he spends the next section saying, people are going to lie to you and try to mislead you about this end of the world stuff, which I think is is part of the problem is people take this and try to mislead you by telling you all these specifics about the end of the world that just aren't there. And, and in between these two sections, he has one verse in verse 22 that says hey god is going to save a few elect people if it weren't for the elect nobody would be saved but because of the elect a few people yeah uh, the the elect will be saved they are the ones who are going to come through it god's going to save his elected god's going to save the ones he's chosen and the ones who are on his side well, that's uh, pretty nice because um, the entire point of Jesus's ministry is trying to get people to choose to be the elect, is trying to get people to choose to be on his side. And so what Jesus is actually saying here in between all the, not gibberish, that would be disrespectful to say, and in between all of the confusing dialogue and thought processes and Old Testament references and, and just generalizations about the end of the world and general theories that don't really have any um yeah, there's there there are no solid details that we can pin anything to in between all of this stuff jesus just says by the way god's coming for a select group of people and those people are going to be saved maybe you should be one of those people i think the message of matthew 24 is stop worrying about all this future stuff you're not going to see it coming anyway You'll be able to see it retrospectively, but you're not going to see it coming anyway. Stop worrying about all this future stuff. And go and be one of God's elect now. So all of this 18 and a bit minutes of, of rambling basically comes down to, I don't know, but you should go to God while you have the opportunity. And I think that's the main point. We'll talk further about it next week and go into um, the next part of Matthew 24. There's some further details and maybe it helps clarify the, dist the distinction in between 
all the different judgments he's talking about and what judgment is and maybe maybe that'll be kind of the theme of the next episode is is what is judgment and how does that look in all of its different pictures uh we'll see if i remember to do that next week but uh yeah until then uh i hope this is helpful to whatever extent i don't know how best to address the the question or the problem uh, because I really don't think this passage addresses the question of the end of the world. I, I, I don't think it really does. I don't think that's its purpose. And, of course, we'll see that more as we go throughout and as we see some of it. Next week, in the next section, I do think it's talking about the end of the world. I just don't think the sections up until this point have gotten there yet. So, it's confusing. Bear with me, and we'll we'll clarify some things next week. Hopefully that's helpful and at least gives you something to think about. And who knows, uh, maybe that's, maybe, maybe the message of confusion is just what you needed and next week we'll be able to think through some things and that'll make everything clear to you. I don't know, but we're going to see. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed and I'll see you on the next episode of Biblical Breadcrumbs.